Hello, friends, good friends. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for your support, liking, subscribing to these videos. It's a Bodhisattva act because it helps propagate this channel, this resource uh, to help build people's confidence in their practice. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. If you uh, can make use of the ebooks or print books, mandalas, um, that also helps to support this channel, as do the patrons, you people who uh, are giving monthly donations, whether it's a dollar, ten dollars, or more, uh, thirty dollars. Some of you, uh, exceptional uh, generosity, uh, deeply appreciate all of you, either through Patreon or directly through PayPal. Uh, you get little perks every now and again if you do that. Um, as I've said before, I've sent out advanced copies uh, of uh, Buddhism Reference and uh, now Volume 2 of Buddhism Reference. Um, of all the books I've written, I think these two books that I've been putting together um, probably the most useful, I think, to anybody's practice uh, because it looks at the rhetoric, the words, the terms of Buddhism from a uniquely Nietzschean perspective of our modern Mapo practice, right? It's one thing to read these terms and know what they meant to Hinayana, early teachings, Agama, Theravada, all of that. That's, that's all right, but it's not complete. You know, as Shakyamuni would say, it's not perfect or complete enlightenment. The, those words still have a use in our lineage of understanding just like learning the alphabet is useful for creating or recognizing or spelling words and ultimately so that we can write cohesive letters, books, right? Emails, whatever. Um, so we don't throw away the alphabet once we know <laughs> how to write a letter, right? Um but then it doesn't do us much good to go and relearn the alphabet. Uh, it is handy to go and learn grammar and spelling and so forth to support our letter writing. So much in that same way uh, for our modern practice of Buddhism, it's important to know how some of these terms, because we keep running into them, um, are in fact being, uh, have evolved and support the 3,000 realms in a single thought moment, for instance, and uh, so on. Um, hmm. I'm thinking of, uh, well, so far we're in, uh, as you know, my favorite chapter of the Lotus Sutra, the apparition of the jeweled stupa. <clears throat> and, uh, we're at that point where Shakyamuni has hailed all of the emanations of uh, Shakyamuni, Buddhas, throughout the Ten Directions, and he's assembling them into this incredibly humongous assembly. And once again, if you look at this literally as though these people are populating a, uh, some great field, uh, the Vulture Peak simply isn't that big, for one thing. And number two, uh, this is, you know, Buddhism is about the mind. This is a mental exercise. And it's, I'll give you a point of view, again, uniquely Nichiren uh, in its uh, 
um, understanding of these hyperbolic uh, hyperbolic uh, uh, descriptions, but these emanations of Shakyamuni—they're not emanations like he squirts out a Buddha, right? They're emanations of his mind. So when he calls forth all of these Buddhas from the ten directions, what he's essentially saying—again, going back to the three thousand realms in a single thought moment, right? The fact that Nietzsche views 3,000 realms in a single thought moment as an expansion, as did Zhi or Tendai, of the 10 realms we experience as human beings uh, uh, physically and emotionally, right? If you go through the 10 realms, you can identify with each of those um, sensations, yes? And all the 3,000 realms in a single thought moment says is, well, if you expand that to include that very influence from a cosmic perspective, then in each thought moment, which moments are incredibly brief, you can look that up in Buddhism Reference, Volume 1, yeah. Then the influences on our momentum our movement through time-space, right, is voluminous because, as you know, the ten realms are interpenetrating, right? So we never experience just one realm. It may feel like we are, but we may experience the hunger of hell, of animality, of humanity, of hell, of... We're constantly... They're interpenetrating and... The key thing of interpenetration is that Buddha, that fundamental mind state accessible through our sentient mind, is always present in all of them, just as they all are in each of the others. So when Shakyamuni calls forth his emanations from the ten directions, he's essentially saying, of the 3,000 realms, I'm now... And with my tuft of hair, I'm enlightening, I'm showing you the Buddha-ness of the cosmos, of everything, of all realms. We're going to focus in on the Buddha of hell, the Buddha of animality, the Buddha of hunger, the Buddha of asuras, the Buddha of bodhisattva, the Buddha of learning, the Buddha of pratyekabuddha the mind state of clarity within the whole, the entirety. So that's why this is such an immense picture. Makes sense, doesn't it? All right. So let's um, continue on. In this way, by turns, the land of the thousand millionfold worlds were filled, or this millionfold world was filled, were filled, and still there was no limit to the emanations of the Shakyamuni Buddha in even one quarter, because it's an ongoing moment-to-moment experience. So yeah, there's no limit. It just continues. Hmm? At that time, Shakyamuni Buddha, wishing accommodation for the Buddhas, who were emanations of his body, his Dharma body, right? Three bodies of Buddha. Hmm? conjured up 
in all eight directions, 200 myriads of millions of Nayutas of realms, making them all pure, free of hells, hungry ghosts, beasts, and Ashuras, and moving gods and men away, placing them in other lands. In other words, altering all of those mind states, those realms, to the Buddha realm. Once again, this is a more involved version of what he did in the first chapters, right? In those first few chapters, when he emanated light from the tuft of hair between his brows, he just showed everyone the potential of their Buddhahood or Buddha and what that might look like, experience like, yes? Sensation of. Now he's really picking it apart even further. But it's the same thing. It's just a more elaborate description, right? They, these uh, conjured realms, right? Mental exercise here, conjured realms. Also, and he calls them realms right here. So this is, again, explanation of the 3,000 realms in a single thought moment. Certainly, from Nietzsche's doctrine, he makes this quite explicit. Hmm? Also had Vaiduria for soil and were adorned with jeweled trees, each tree being 500 Johannes in height. Isn't that interesting? The same height as the treasure tower. So these are just like mandalas everywhere. Each, each of us being the treasure tower, each of us, these trees being a treasure tower, hmm? decked with branches, leaves, blossoms, and fruit in due order, each tree having as its base jeweled lion throne five Johannes high and adorned in turn with a variety of jewels. There were also no oceans, rivers, or streams, or Musilinda or Maha Musilinda mountains, or iron-rimmed or great iron-rimmed mountains, or Sumeru mountains, or indeed any other kinds of mountains. Why, why would he clear the ground so much? This is just uh, continuity with the earliest teachings of Buddhism, imagining that a perfect, pure Buddha land would have no obstacles. So you wouldn't have to cross rivers or cross, you know, deal with oceans as borders, no mountains to climb over, no, nothing, nothing in any way of a hardship. So beautiful, flat, shiny, easy-to-navigate world. Of course, that's not a real thing, but it's an indication of a, a life condition, yes? And so even here in this Lotus Sutra, uh, the descriptions pay mm, attention to this, you know, over 40 years of teachings of this inculcated norm of consideration for what it is like to be in a Buddha, pure land. Hmm? So there can be no contention there. Throughout these realms were a single Buddha land. Well, there it is. It's jeweled earth flat and even, covered by banners on which jewels were mingled with dew, hung with flags and canopies, burning incense made of great jewels, having divine jeweled Flowers spread all over the earth's surface. Jewel, 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 jewel. 
Have we heard enough jewels yet? So jewel is a, a, a marked symbol, symbolism, a marker of Buddha throughout the cosmos. Mm-hmm. At that time, Shakyamuni Buddha's emanations in the eastern quarter, Buddha lands of equal in number to the sands of the hundred thousand myriads of millions of Ganges rivers, is uncountable. Each Buddha preaching Dharma assembled in this place, Buddhas of the ten directions all gathering in order and sitting in the eight quarters in the 400 myriad of millions of Nayutas of lands in every quarter, the Buddha, the Buddhas, the thus come ones, filled every direction. It's just the jewel of Buddhahood in every conceivable direction. At this time, the Buddhas, each seated on a lion throne under a jewel tree, all sent attendants to make courteous inquiry of Shakyamuni Buddha, each attendant carrying jeweled flowers, enough to fill both hands, and said to them, Good men, go now to Mount Grarakuta, Vulture Peak, to, place, to the place of Shakyamuni Buddha, and say to him for me, Are you in good health and free of pain? This is their greeting, right? Are your humors in good order? Is your strength unimpaired? And your multitude of bodhisattvas and voice hearers, are they well or not? Scatter these jeweled flowers before the Buddha as an offering and say, the Buddha so-and-so wishes to open this jeweled stupa with you. The other Buddhas also sent messengers in the same way. So now this unimaginable number of Buddha realms in the, in the person of every possible sentient mind extant on the planet and past minds, future minds, any minds you can conceive, all focused in their Buddha realm, on the Buddha realm, inquire into Shakyamuni's health, his shravakas, his bodhisattvas, and now... By, by way of volunteering themselves, exhort Shakyamuni to open this treasure tower. Mm. So all of the living beings, all of the sentient minds extant in the cosmos, all committing to experience this treasure tower, this Myoho Renge Kyo, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, right? This is why I say in presence at the Butsudan video that when we approach our altar in readiness to chant Daimoku, we should envision this ceremony, this commitment of Buddha, right, to inculcate, to, to witness this namu, this huge namu, right, of presence and commitment to experience the treasure tower. All right. At that time, Shakyamuni Buddha, seeing that the Buddhas who were emanations of his body had all arrived, 
and seeing how each, seated on the lion throne, was hearing that the Buddhas together wished to open the jeweled stupa, straightway rose from his seat and rested in midair, along with the jeweled stupa. All the four assemblies, rising with palms joined, single-mindedly beheld the Buddha, which is what Nichiren tells us to do when we chant, right? Single-mindedly behold the Buddha. He is using this chapter of the Lotus Sutra to say, this is how you practice. This is the level of resolve you need to muster to quickly, immediately, like the dragon king's daughter, instantiate Buddha. Hmm? Thereupon, with his right finger, Shakyamuni Buddha opened the door of the seven-jeweled stupa, seven-jeweled, which made a great sound as of a bar being pushed aside to open the gate of a walled city. Well, yeah, this thing is five Johannes. <laughs> it's huge. Or 500 Johannes. We can't even see the top of it, right? At that very moment, all the assembled multitudes saw the thus come one many jewels in the jeweled stupa seated on the lion throne, his body whole and undecayed, right? This is a big, big thing in the face of 42 years of provisional teachings. Because in all those years, you couldn't have more than one Buddha in the universe at one time. There just wasn't enough energy in the universe to support more than one Buddha. And yet, we open the treasure tower, and this isn't a relic of a previous Buddha. This isn't the dust of his ashes of a previous Buddha. This is a living, breathing, complete, whole-bodied Buddha. Two Buddhas in the same universe? How is this possible? Well, by now you should know that that Buddha representing the Buddhaness of the seven-jeweled treasure tower is your experience of Buddha, the universal Buddha. Right? Because the treasure tower, which you are, which Namu Myoho is, which Nichiren would quickly point out, are all the same thing. Enlightenment. When you witness it, when you experience it, then you are part of it. You are the treasure tower. Namo Myorengekyo is the treasure tower or the law of the treasure tower or the, mm, the, the extant reality of the treasure tower. How many ways can we say it? Which you enjoin when you chant is always, without time or space, Buddha. And at this point, Shakyamuni is still, although he's talked at great length about his timelessness, still represents a man doing what we're all wanting to do. The Lotus Sutra being his process of enlightenment, rather than speaking to other people's potential for it. So it's all coming together right now. This is, can be very confusing if you don't understand, but if you read Nietzsche thoroughly, this all makes perfect sense. Nietzsche saw this. 
as if he were entered into dhyana concentration. So this Buddha, many jewels, Buddha, Tahoe Buddha, Pratnara Ratna, I can't remember how to say. At any rate, this Buddha in the treasure tower is himself in Samadhi when they open it. Duh. Isn't that what we all are when we're chanting active meditation? Hmm? They also heard his words. Excellent, excellent. Oh, Shakyamuni, Buddha, happily have you preached this scripture of the Dharma blossom. It is to listen to this scripture that I have come here. In other words, by enacting Myoho Renge Kyo, Buddha arrives. <laughs> Chanting Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, we inculcate, we invoke, we enliven, we manifest Buddha. And here it is in reverse order. Buddha saying, excellent, excellent. You're teaching Myoho Renge Kyo. I have to come listen. I have to be here when you do that. Again, Nichiren was just been <laughs> beside himself, yeah? This is so clear. No wonder Nichiren was so passionate about correcting these other teachers. How can you not see this? Right? At that time, the four assemblies, seeing a Buddha passed into extinction for incalculable thousands of myriads of millions of kalpas speaking such words as these, sighed in admiration at something they had never before seen and scattered clusters of divine jeweled flowers over the Buddha, many jewels, and Shakyamuni Buddha. They're still thinking in terms of time and past and future. They're, not, they're still not getting it completely. Even with all of this grandiose visualization, my goodness, people, catch up. The Buddha many jewels in his jeweled stupa then gave half his seat to Shakyamuni Buddha, speaking these words, O Shakyamuni Buddha, will you take this seat? Not will you share this seat, will you take this seat? Because Shakyamuni is the contemporary man who's attained Buddhaness, teaching this treasure tower of the universal Buddhaness to this incredibly vast assembly to all of us. Wasn't that the stated mission of Siddhartha Gautama when he first started out? That this should be a truth that all without segregation, without uh, discrimination, any living being could attain? Here it is. At that very moment, Shakyamuni Buddha, entering that stupa, sat on half that seat, his legs crossed. At that time, the great multitude, seeing the two thus come ones in the seven-jeweled stupa on the lion throne, just as Nichiren depicts in his mandala, seated with legs crossed, all thought 
the Buddhas sit high up and far off. We wish that the thus come one with his powers of supernatural penetration would enable the lot of us together to dwell in open space. In other words, release us from the mundane earth and raise us to the level of the treasure tower and the two Buddhas sitting side by side that we might also share in this experience of the Dharma, Buddha. And so here it comes, big, big moment. At that very moment, Shakyamuni Buddha, with his powers of supernatural penetration, touched the great multitudes so that they were all in open space and with a great voice proclaimed universally to the fourfold assembly, who can proudly pe preach this scripture of the blossom of the fine Dharma in this Saha land? Of all of these Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, Sravakas, laymen, laywomen, Bhikshunis, Bhikshus, who can broadly preach, teach the scripture of the blossom of the fine Dharma, the, the Myoho Rengekyo, who can do it in this Saha world? Now is the very time. Not long hence, the Buddha shall enter Nirvana. The Buddha hopes for... Now, the Buddha, as he's talking about, is his own enlightenment. And I know that's confusing. He never says... He should be saying Shakyamuni Buddha enters in light, uh, Nirvana. But this is the way it's, it's translated. For someone to whom this scripture of the blossom of the fine Dharma may be assigned, who will take the task? At that time, the world-honored one wishing to restate this meaning proclaimed Gathas, saying, The sainted Lord, the world-honored one, though long since passed into extinction, yet into the jeweled stupa's midst has come for Dharma's sake. So Buddha, the universal Buddha-ness, has come to this seven-jeweled stupa by reason of, reason of having it called forth, as we do when we chant, for the sake of this practice. O men, how may one not strive for the Dharma's sake? What, what more do you need to motivate you? This Buddha, though passed into extinction, unnumbered kalpas ago, yet in place after place listens to the Dharma, for it is hard to encounter. That Buddha's former vow was, after my passage into extinction, wherever I am, wherever I go, there may, there may my purpose be to listen to the Dharma. Also the emanations of my body, incalculable Buddhas, equal in number to the Ganges' sands, have come wishing to listen to the Dharma and to see him who has passed into extinction. The thus come one many jewels, each abandoning his fine land, as well as the multitude of his disciples, gods, men, dragons, and demons, and their several offerings to cause Dharma long to endure, have they all come hither. 
So when we invoke Buddha by chanting Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, we are invoking all Buddhaness. Hmm? And our mind of Buddha to join, to in, as I say, uh, uh, to get engaged with this engine of life. Hmm? In order to seat the Buddhas, by the powers of my supernatural penetration, I have moved incalculable multitudes, causing the realms to be purified. Moving all these realms brought everyone to Buddhaness for this event. All lands purified. Hmm? The Buddhas, each severally, proceed to the foot of their respective jeweled trees, as in a cool, clear pond. Lotus blossoms decorate at the foot of those jeweled trees. The several lion thrones, the Buddhas sitting atop them, are radiant in their splendor, as if the midst of the dark night kindling a great torch. Their bodies emit a fine scent that pervades the realms in all ten directions. The living beings favored with the scent experience unbearable joy. Unbearable joy. It's so vast. It's hard to breathe. And yet the breath is larger than ever. Right? As if from a great wind blowing on the branches of small trees. For by this expedient device, the Daimoku, they enable Dharma long to endure. Isn't this Nichiren? I mean, this is Shakyamuni, but somehow this teaching has been lost to time and Teachers, for whatever reasons, ego, have relegated to teaching this teaching to be, it's too fancy. It's too complicated. The stupid people of Mapo, they, 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 can't, they can't benefit from it. Don't pay attention to the lotus. It's, it's too special. Do these lesser things. Right? Nietzsche was furious about this. Nietzsche said, let anyone read this. Hell, take the responsibility of teaching it. And anyone would see the, the vast magnificence of this teaching. Anyone. How arrogant to say that this teaching is just for the few intellectuals that can understand it. Oh, my God. Each Buddha declares to the great multitudes after my passage into extinction, who can guard and keep, read and recite this scripture? Now in the Buddha's presence, let him speak his own vow. The Buddha, many jewels, though long since passed into extinction, through his great vow utters a lion's roar. The thus come one many jewels, as well as myself, and the conjured Buddhas here assembled will know this meaning, O sons of the Buddhas. Who can keep the Dharma? Let him utter a great vow and thus enable it long to endure. If there is one who can keep this scripture Dharma, 
then thereby he shall have made offerings to me and to many jewels. This Buddha many jewels, dwelling within the jeweled stupa, ever travels in the ten directions for this scripture's sake. Moreover, those who, as an offering to the conjured Buddhas who have come hither, decorate with splendor the various world spheres, if they only preach this sutra, this scripture, this sutra, this myoho shall then on that account see me, the Buddha many jewels, and the conjured Buddhas. All of it, you'll experience Buddha. O good men, think carefully, each of you, this is a difficult matter, and for it a great vow should be taken. The other scriptural canons are in number like to the Ganges' sands, but if one were to preach these, still this should not be thought difficult. If one were to take hold of Sumeru and fling it into another quarter over untold Buddha lands, that too would not be difficult. So he's demonstrating that to propagate this sutra, this teaching, this Dharma teaching is more difficult than these others, which he's regarding as simple in relation to propagating this Dharma, this if with a toe one were to move the thousand million fold world, flinging it off into another realm, that also would not be difficult. If one were to stand on the pinnacle of existence and for the multitude set forth other incalculable teachings, that also wouldn't be difficult. Child's play. But if after the Buddha's extinction, in the midst of this evil age, this age full of distractions and obstacles, one can teach this myoho that is difficult. Right? If there should be a man or woman who, holding open space in his hand, were to walk about with it, even that would not be difficult. After my extinction, if anyone can write and keep it oneself or cause others to write it, that is difficult. If one should take the great earth and placing it on one's toenail, mount with it to the Brahma gods, that too would not be difficult. After the Buddha's passage into extinction in the midst of an evil age, to read this scripture but for a moment, that is difficult. Even if in the Kalpa's holocaust one should carry dry grass on one's back and enter the flame, yet not be burned, that too, <laughs> no big deal. After my extinction, if one can hold this, screw, uh, this teaching and teach it to even one person, that is difficult. If one were to carry 84,000 treasure houses on of the twelve-fold scriptural canon and preach them to men, causing the listeners to gain the six supernatural penetrations. Even if one could do this, it would still not be difficult. If after my extinction, however, one can accept this sutra and, by listening to it, inquiring into its purport, this is difficult. If a man teaching the Dharma causes 
caused the equal of a thousand myriads of millions of incalculable and innumerable Ganges rivers and sands of living beings to attain the rank of an arhat and to perfect the six supernatural penetrations, though he were to confer this benefit, still, this would not be difficult. That's easy. After my extinction, however, if one can reverently hold aloft the scriptural canons like this one, that will be difficult. Once again, making it clear to all of those who think they attained nirvana, the arhats, you ain't done much. You've done, yes, you've accomplished a lot, but you have not gone all the way. You are still in the conjured city, resting. Now it's time to complete the journey to full Buddha way, Bodhisattva practice. For the sake of the Buddha path, I, in incalculable lands from the beginning until now, have broadly taught the scriptures, but among them, this scripture is the first. If there is anyone who can hold it, then he holds the Buddha body, Buddhaness itself in this teaching. O oh, good men, after my extinction, who can receive and keep, read and recite this scripture? Now, in the Buddha's presence, let him speak a vow himself. This scripture is hard to hold. If anyone can hold it for but a moment, then I will be delighted, as shall the other Buddhas also. A person like this shall be praised by the Buddha's this fellow you know is doughty. This fellow you know moves forward with sincerity. He is called a keeper of the precepts, a performer of dutta, ascetic practices. Thus he shall quickly attain through the unexcelled Buddha path. Doughty, not doughty, doughty. Not sure of that word. It in future ages, if in future ages, he can read and keep this teaching, this sutra, this Myoho Rengekyo, then he is a true son of Buddha, dwelling in a pure, good land. After the Buddha's passage into extinction, if they can understand its meaning, then such gods and men shall be the eyes of the world. If in a terrifying age they can preach but for a moment, then all gods and men must make offerings to them. And that ends this chapter of the appearance or the apparition of the treasure tower. That's our entire practice. It's, I, I, I don't see how to surpass this chapter for direct evidence of how we practice Nichiren's doctrine of this Lotus Sutra Buddhism. With our stupa, our seven-jeweled stupa, the mandala, the whole picture, it's just, it's astounding to me.
um, of the six uh, tasks of a, uh, a bodhisattva, the, the only one I haven't done yet is copy. And I think after I get through, what, there's one or two, maybe just one. There's one more translation to read of the Threefold Lotus. I think I will commit to you publicly right now that I will write my own translation of the Lotus Sutra with words appropriate for us to practice via Nietzsche's doctrine. And then I will have performed that sixth one that I haven't done yet is that copy, the Lotus Sutra. Haven't done it yet. Other than vocally, verbally, in videos, right? I've read it how many times with you guys so far? The next chapter is Devadatta. Wow. What a switch, right? So that's chapter 12 coming up next. I'm looking forward to reading it with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for your support. I remind you again, all the links in the description, you know what to do. Like and subscribe. Take care of your health so that you can keep your practice strong. Right? And I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now.